is a maze of trenches, foxholes, and craters. Why don't you wait to Hill 404? It's got a nice view of Hill 405. And it's closer to the cemetery on 406. Chopped liver. That is Patty de Foie Gras. I happen to know Patty de Foie Gras, and this definitely isn't him. It was the pheasant that was foul. Who ever heard of eating a canned bird? Pierce shouldn't have pushed you. He should have dicked you. Hey, MASH fans, it's time for another episode of the MASH 4077th Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Kenny, and joining me across the pond, Simon. Gentlemen. Today we're discussing Season 6, Episode 12, The Grim Reaper. It's the 134th episode overall, directed by George Tyne, written by Burt Polinsky, originally aired on November 29th, 1977, and the production code is Y110. And I, for one, would like to know how many casualties are coming in. What's so choice about Hill 403, Colonel? The enemy owns it. To contact a good realtor and make him an offer. Calculating a division of men, supported in depth by artillery, mortar fire, and tanks, against seasoned troops also backed by artillery, we figure a grand total of 280 to 290 casualties passing through this unit in the next 24 hours, if the weather holds. What if it rains? Then add another 20. Here, 20 guys are better pray like hell it doesn't rain. I figure all 300 better pray like hell this guy is wrong. This guy is never wrong. It's all here. The days, the battles, the numbers, all pinpointed and on target, dead on. War is a science. Casualties can be predicted with mathematical precision. Really? How many times did 30,000 bullets multiplied by 400 artillery shells go into 280 bodies? I don't appreciate your sarcasm, Pierce. I don't appreciate your insensitivity. Those figures you reel so trippingly off the tongue are made of flesh and blood. Now, please, don't pass up Hill 403 on my account, not if you've gone to all that trouble. Silencio, Pierce. Look, I don't have to listen to this every time I show up. Then stop showing up. Maybe we'll stop getting casualties. Sounds like you almost believe that. Take out the almost and you're right again with pinpoint accuracy. I also have the plot summary. Hill 403 is up for grabs and Army Actuary Colonel Bloodworth. What a great name. Yeah, isn't it? It's quite hot. <laughs> annoys Hawkeye with his cold-blooded pinpoint accuracy and casualty prediction. Hawkeye and BJ get angry when Winchester will not share more than half a cracker from his goodie basket from home. But the food takes a turn for the worse for both Charles and Margaret, the dinner companion of choice. Klinger meets his kindred Toledo spirit, Private Danker, and they talk about their favorite Paco's Hungarian hot dogs. Hawkeye is irritated and loses his temper with Colonel Bloodworth and faces court-martial. But when Colonel Bloodworth returns to the 4077th wounded, his perspectives change. Private Danker sends Klinger a box of Paco's hot dogs and all the trimmings. As he, BJ, and Hawkeye roast them in the swamp, Winchester learns the meaning of grace and hospitality. Chow? Not chow. Masterpieces of the culinary arts. Right, chow. Would either of you happen to have a quarter? All this for a quarter? I have to pry off cover. Of course, cover charge. 
Uh, yes. Would you mind uh, opening the pheasant? Would I mind? My taste buds are setting a table on my tongue. My salivary glands are having a flash flood. What's that stuff? Haven't you ever seen truffles before? Nobody knows the truffles I've seen. <laughs> Here you are, gentlemen. Oh, goody. Mmm. 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 Chopped liver. That is pate de foie gras. I happen to know Patty de foie gras, and this definitely isn't him. No, but great. What else we got? William, are we having dinner? We even dressed for it. Uh, gentlemen, your dinner awaits you in the mess tent. One lousy piece of liverwurst, and that's it? That's ample reward for opening a can. You're not going to share this with your bunkies? My bunkies have palates that are obviously more attuned to spam on a shingle. You mean you're going to make us just sit here and watch you eat? No! That would be sadistic. I will go elsewhere. Bon appetit, gentlemen. How do you like this guy? Oh. I'd like him rotating on a spit. I hope your caviar turns to fish eggs. I hope you can't get a table. Bless your heart. And guest stars for this episode. Charles Aidman plays Colonel Victor Bloodworth. Charles sadly passed away in 1993, but he left 178 credits to his IMDb page. One of his most regular appearances was in the Twilight Zone. Uh, yeah. When looking at his uh, his IMDb page, there uh, it is he's, he's ridiculous amount in the yeah. Twilight Zone. Uh, whether it was background artist or narration or something, like that, I don't know. But it's it's a huge amount. That's cool. Then we have Jerry Hauser, who played Private Denker. Jerry is an actor and voice artist. His voice is recorded on the Disney Movie Club voice message system. And, of course, Kelly Nakahara returns as Lieutenant Kelly Yamoto. Yay. Yay. Well, look who's here. Colonel Bo Peet counting his sheep. What do you want, Pierce? Let me have a beer, okay? Ah, there is no joy in Bloodville tonight. Ask me why. Look, Pierce, I thought you'd never ask. In the Battle for Hill 403, 77 soldiers refused to get hit just to pinpoint your accuracy. You don't say. Oh, but I do say. You were off by 77, scorekeeper. I was, huh? Well, don't let it get you down, Colonel. If the war doesn't work out for you, you can always go back to the States and predict traffic fatalities. Or if you live long enough, there's always the apocalypse. Attention, all surgical teams. More wounded coming in via ground vehicles. Proceed to OR. Okay, hotshot, there you go. And don't be surprised if there are 77 more. What do you do, shoot them yourself? That's it, Captain. I've taken all I'm going to take off you. I haven't even begun. Let go of me, Captain. You make me sick. Well, you reduce human life to cold equations. God, I hate that. And I hate your rotten ledger, your diary of death. But what I hate most, you... You grim reaper, is that you actually love your job. I said, let go of me. I'll let go of you. All right, let's go ahead and discuss this episode. Uh, I will start us off. Um, I think this episode had some good points. Mm -hmm. I really liked the Klinger and Toledo guy, yeah. uh, Denker. I love their kind of camaraderie and, you know, Klinger getting overwhelmed. And uh, it, it was more funny. It was all, you know, it was very sweet to see that. You know, because he, I mean, this guy was literally just in Toledo, yeah. what, like a month before. And now he's injured in uh, at the MASH unit. Denker? Matilda? Hey, Toledo! <laughs> Where else? Don't move. Let me take it all in. When were you there last? Two weeks ago. Only two weeks ago? When was the last time you had a Paco Hungarian hot dog? Three days before I left. I knew it. I could smell it on your breath. 
You had mustard, chili, and hot peppers. <laughs> Amazing. Not to this nose. Where do you live? Locuston, Ontario. Michigan and Galena. And you made it out alive? Sure, I took my basic training at LaGrange Pool Hall. In all the time I was there, not once did I see anybody use a cue stick on a ball. How long you been here? As long as it takes a tough street kid to learn to wear a dress. Hey, tell me about the Trianon. Is it still jumping? Oh, yeah. Yeah, girls still get in for a buck. Fifty cents if they look human. The Trianon. Every night I dream I'm jitterbugging with Agnes Gomes. <laughs> then at intermission, we'd steal away to the veranda and watch the kids bust windshields. You know, I never got caught. I gotta go, kid. I'm breaking my heart. Wait, I got something for you. A matchbook from the Trianon. Matches made in heaven. I'll keep them forever. Thank you. Thank you. <gasps> At first, Bloodworth, you know, he you thought he was going to be this annoying, you know, by the book. You know, it doesn't matter how many people die as long as we get it done and... Uh, but I like I like how he turns at the end, mm-hmm. and he actually and it doesn't take much really to make yeah. him turn. He he just he realizes what Hawkeye and the crew go through at the mash unit and understands why he's so ad- adversarial against uh, this guy's predictions. Mm. You know, because this guy's predicting all the injuries that are going to come in for for those guys to work on. So um, I like the very end where Potter thinks he turns the guy. Out of the way, Pierce. Let's see if we can settle this out of court. How are you, Colonel? Better. Good, because I want you to know that if you proceed with this court-martial, you're in for a hell of a fight. Colonel, before you roll up your... Zip it, son. I'll handle this. Colonel, I've been soldiering for 30 years. That's long enough to know that a good surgeon, no matter how dim-witted or impulsive, is worth his weight in gold. Colonel, they're dropped. What's dropped? The charges against Pierce. They are? Yes. Oh, well... That's different. Thanks, Colonel. I knew you'd see it my way. There, cowboy. Now you know what a little tact can do. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> He's so determined and, you know, but it was, it was technically it was Hawkeye who did it, which was really funny. Uh, and, of course, I liked the very end with um, the hot dogs and Winchester. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is incredible. Did I tell you? Paco's Hungarian hot dogs are the pride of Toledo. Mm. I could kiss that danker. First the matchbook and then this. Keep them coming. Try those chili peppers. They'll put hair on your tongue. What is that tantalizing odor? It ain't chopped liver. Well, it looks like I've got enough feet on me then. Hey, Asher. Mark Pastor, roll this way. Oh, Charles, would you open that for us, please? Thank you. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. Just looks delicious. Oh, I'm oh, oh, well, oh, gentlemen, well, we're forgetting our guest. Huh? Oh. Here you go. Oh. Charles, how's that look here? Wonderful. What do you want on it? Touch of mustard? Yeah, touch of mustard. Touch of mustard. Mmm. Just the chili. What's this? Ample reward for opening a jar. Charles, your sophisticated palate is no match for this pedestrian swill. Besides, it's Hungarian. It's all yours. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, oh, not so fast. Save some for Margaret. Uh, it's for Margaret. <laughs> and they, you know, they, they break off a little bit. And they're like, yeah, this is probably worth opening the, the jar for us. <laughs> and then they're, you know, they're not as bad as Charles. And so they... 
him a full hot dog. And then I love Charles' response with, how about Margaret? And he says, well, this will do. And he has a little broken off bit. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, it was a fine episode. I probably gave it like a seven. But I don't really go – I don't go super low on these because I think all MASH episodes are, are good. Yeah. You know, to a certain extent. Um, <laughs> but, no, I mean, I just, I just, I just liked it. It was, it was fine. It was good. You know, it was weird to see Hawkeye go that crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he wasn't drunk. Now, if he was drunk, I probably would have bought it more. Yeah. But it bothered me that he went – that he let loose. But then again, in the episode, he regrets it. He says, how could I have done that? How – you know – so he realizes what he did. So I like that aspect of it as well. Yeah, there was essences of it a little bit like when he loses his temporary radar, and, and yes, and I know, I know that was all that was part through guilt, but it's almost virtually exactly the same kind of lines that he says when he's regretting what he what he did. Yeah. And also, I mean, all right, Bloodworth. The name's a bit. I mean, it's an interesting name. There's an irony in it, but it's also yes. slightly ridiculous that the job that he's doing and he's called Bloodworth. Um, of course, I mean that, that was the whole point. Like you say, though, we've we've Hawkeye losing his temper. Um, he, the guy's the guy's just a facts and figures man. He's not actually sending uh, the, the the guys out there. He's not like the person in charge of sending them to the front line. All he yeah. does is do logistics and stuff like that. But you yeah. know, th- there is a funny line where Hawkeye claims that he has a diary of death. Which I quite liked. Um, yeah. Winchester's hamper, I love that. But, oh, you know, who would eat a pheasant out of a tin? <laughs> pheasant out that's, of a tin. Oh, it sounds disgusting. Yeah, that's travelled all <laughs> but, You know, people have a go at spam, but, I mean, at least spam is, you know, feeding on Monty Spam Python. is processed meat and... Yeah, you know what it is, It's meant it? to be it's canned. Spam. Yeah, but a pheasant <laughs> in a... Oh, dear me. And um, it looked like it was a real pheasant, like it was a bird they... Pulled it, cooked it, cut it in half, and stuck it in a tin. Yeah, I mean, I think it was probably more likely some chicken, I should think. But, I mean, it's still, ooh, yeah. dear me. Uh, I like the fact that Winchester tries to use uh, BJ's joke about uh, all the truffles I've seen, and it just it just, it just goes <laughs> flat, and nobody nobody laughs. But again, that's brilliant David London style as well. Just, his face just drops slightly. Uh, yeah. when, when he passes out... Uh, I think I can't remember if it's Hawkeye or if it's BJ. It turns out he says he can't operate from there. His arms aren't long enough. Yeah, Colonel, we need help here. Where's Winchester? On the floor. He can't operate from there. His arms aren't long enough. No, 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 no concern. That was <laughs> the BJ. best line ever. There's no concern the fact that he's just passed out and smacked on the floor. It's just again, that's brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant medical, uh, medical. That, that whole scene was great when they were in the operating room. Oh yeah, and again, and, like and you said, though, with the uh, with the um, the guy dropping the charges, it was a little bit reminiscent of an old episode that we've already had. And I know, I know this happens because, especially as Mash went on for eleven years, but there was another gung ho soldier who turned around who didn't want Hawker. And in fact, I think it was the chap who was in Battlestar Galactica. Um, who uh, who turned around and uh, said, "I don't want him operating on me." Blah blah blah. And he did it, and he kind of like he, he kind of phased it out as he was watching Hawkeye operate on somebody else or something like that. Yeah, it sounded very very familiar. Um, yeah, yeah the, the hot dog thing at the end. But what what is really sweet about that um, is the fact that they 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 did give uh, Charles a proper a proper hot dog after they they, they did the joke on him, and I think yeah. that just that shows the fact that they they get annoyed by Charles. 
uh, and they continue to be annoyed by Charles, which is good about Charles. He never really actually drops this kind of persona. Yeah. Yet, unlike Frank, where they just hated him because he was a bit of a ferret face and everything and, and was a turncoat, <laughs> with Charles, they, they, you can see that there is actually a lot of respect there, not only as in the surgeon, but I think they quite like him as well. It's a bit of a yin and yang, you know. You can't have, as to quote Inside Out, you can't have the joy without the sadness. Do you know what I mean? And I think, yeah. I think they work really well. I actually gave this 8 out of 10 because I really quite enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Like I said, the more, whenever I'm like, I watch it and I'm like, eh, and then I talk it with you and I'm like, okay, yeah, I actually liked it a little bit more than I thought I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. It's fun. I mean, I like, I like the camaraderie at the end because they're all sitting there and they're all laughing because Charles just made that joke about Margaret and give, you know, and they're all sitting down and it ends with them all just having a laugh. And I just yeah. like that kind of companionship. It's so much fun to see. This is a serious charge. Budworth says you hit him. That's ridiculous. You didn't hit him, did you? Oh, me? I might have grabbed him, pushed him, shoved him, but the wall hit him. Pierce, if you were my son, we'd be on the way to the woodshed. Colonel, I've already put myself over my own knee. You don't have to do it. What did you think you were doing? You rave against violence and insensitivity, then to prove your point, you attack a man. Guilty as charged. Refer all my patients to Leavenworth. Now, Budworth isn't kidding. Neither am I. You deserve a court-martial. This is the U.S. Army. You don't push ranking officers around. Look, Colonel... Not another word. Dismissed, Captain. Uh Uh-huh. Hawkeye. I'll talk to Bloodworth. Maybe I can convince him how desperately we need surgeons. Even stupid ones. Thanks, Dan. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to some behind the scenes. I think Meds has our first one. Uh, Yeah, per the title, the Grim Reaper is the personification of death, depicted as a skeletal figure carrying a large scythe and clothed in black cloak with a hood. I'm amazed they actually decided to describe that there. (laughs) (laughs) To to anybody who doesn't know what death looks like, uh, I've just described it. No, it really is. I'm grasping for straws when I look for these behind the scenes. So that's that's the only reason why that one made the cut, because that one wouldn't have made a cut normally. Yeah, just don't uh, don't grasp a side. That's uh, <laughs> yes, not, not not good protocol. <laughs> Hawkeye mentions death takes a holiday. Uh, this will be the title of a future Mash episode. Yeah, and Colonel Potter is reading a western called Ride the Man Down, which he says is by Zane Grey. The book's author is actually Frederick D. Glidden, better known by his pseudonym. Luke Short. Now, actually, this was one of my um, note things I wrote down in the note, uh, which I didn't read out because I saw that you put it on the behind the scenes. I actually uh-huh. looked up that book to try and find if I could buy it. I wanted to see if I could buy the actual one that you see in Mash. Uh-huh. Um, and it is available, and that's how I knew that it was Luke Short who who wrote it. I haven't been able to find that cover yet. Um, yeah, it's one of that just seems notes. like lazy writing. Yeah, it is a bit. Maybe it could be. Maybe a uh, maybe uh, they couldn't use the guy's name. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, you know, it could could it be classed as maybe the advertising. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's maybe a yeah, there, there could be some sort of possibility where they couldn't yeah. get the clearance to do it, so they just picked it. You know, they made up a name, but they're still using unless that cover is fake, and maybe that's why he can't find it. I suppose it could be, but that means they've gone to the trouble of making a cover with the with the actual title "Ride the Man Down," which is the actual true. name of the title yeah. of the book. You'd think they'd mm. just make their own book up, or not even have a cover on it; just have the yeah. the, the, the dust take the dust jacket off. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. We also have a new fun fact. CBS didn't want one unpatriotic episode. An episode where soldiers stand outside in the freezing cold so that they can make themselves sick enough to be sent home was rejected by CBS. 
That soldier tactic was apparently actually used during the Korean War. Oh, well, that's not being unpatriotic. That's just not wanting to kill people and be in a war. <laughs> well, yes, but, you know, yeah. I mean, is it? I mean, I can, uh, unpatriotic to me is if, say, if somebody was going to, you know, attack your country and there you are on the front line to stop people from, you know, invading your country. Unpatriotic, that's not unpatriotic. Because you're in somebody else's country and really, like, like we said before, it meant that a blind bit of difference, that war. <laughs> <laughs> to a certain degree. Well, it did to, did to a certain degree, obviously. But it's, yeah. uh, by, by that, I mean the fact that we all know that MASH is actually referring mainly to the Vietnam War, not yes. the Korean War. It's saying Korea, but it's actually referring to the Vietnam War. I mean that by my, my comment. Yeah. By the fact that it really didn't make an awful lot of difference. Just a lot of people lost their lives and came out yeah. scarred. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. 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 Get this guy into pre Three units of whole blood. This guy's out of the war. Sorry, son. That's severe thoracic trauma back there. Shattered patellas. This guy's got a belly wound, but I don't think there's any penetration. More pressure dressings up there. This guy's got a skull fracture. Get him to pre-op. Stack. Bloodworth. You better take care of him. I think he'd rather have it. What happened, Colonel? Hill 403 fell on me. How bad is it? Not so bad. There are plenty of guys ahead of you. This is one time it's good to be at the end of the line. This guy can wait. Must be gratifying, you Pierce. The Grim Reaper on his own list. Come on, let's get this skull fracture into pre-op. Just relax, Colonel. Where is that? You are in the very capable hands of Major Charles Emerson Winchester, your humble surgeon. Anyone but Pierce. Don't worry, I wouldn't trade this private for all the colonels in Korea. Don't you worry, Colonel. I'll have you up and prosecuting in no time at all. Charles, I'd stab you in the heart if you had one. There it is. Ribs with a side of shrapnel. Aren't you the lucky one, Colonel? You're about to be spared the pain of Pierce's rapier wit. That does it, Charles. In hypodermics at 20 paces. If I had a rubber glove, I'd slap you with it. You'll be my second. Cut the dueling and do the cutting. Get on with it. Sponges, suction. Give me some retraction. I have to expose it. You need some help? No, it's under control. I thought that shrapnel was just lying next to the artery, but the Old Faithful tells me to penetrate it. All right, Colonel. I'm all yours. All right, you can find MASH 4077 all over the internet. You can find us at Facebook, www.facebook.com slash MASH 4077 podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at MASH 4077 podcast. And you can follow me at Hawkeye Mids. You can find me, Kenny, at Geeky Fanboy. And we have a website and you can find that at www.mash4077podcast.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast and want to make a donation, it would be much appreciated. You can either go to our main website and there is a PayPal button, or you can go to patreon.com slash geekyfanboy. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash geekyfanboy, and you can become a monthly donator to our podcast. And remember, you can follow us on iTunes, direct download, or of course, from Stitcher Radio. Just search for MASH 4077 Podcast. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Overall, a pretty good episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I'm Kenny. And I'm Simon. And we'll be seeing you. Pierce, I want to see you. You in pain? Never mind, I want to talk to you. Oh, fine. What do you want to talk about? Books? How about Death Takes a Holiday? Don't you ever stop with the wisecracks? Only long enough to make a joke. Oh, boy, you're a pistol. I want to talk to you, you make a joke. The nurse asks you about your work, you make a joke. 
You take shrapnel out of a kid's chest, you make a joke. Hopefully not the same joke. Well, there you go again. But what do you expect? I spent the last 48 hours digging pieces of Hill 403 out of kids whose biggest worry a week ago was how to cover a hickey. Joking about it is the only way of opening my mouth without screaming. Mm, I know. I spent the last 48 hours watching you. Wasn't pretty, was it? Mm, it wasn't. That hill back there where I got clobbered, all that screaming. I'm used to screaming, but not for me. And the ambulance bus, kid died next to me. Heard the rattle, I thought I was next. I'll never forget. None of us will. Pierce, a push in a bar room. It just doesn't stack up against all that. I uh, can't see myself going ahead with the court-martial. Well, I'm too tired to argue with you. You need to get your rest, too. That was the scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the newcomers podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the newcomer's podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. Mash fans, now as some of you know, myself and Kenny have our own individual podcasts, and my podcast is called Waffle On Podcast, and we waffle on about classic films and television programs from around the world, so if that's your cup of tea or martini, then why don't you follow us over on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or, of course, from Podbean. You can find us at waffleon.podbean.com, and we would be honoured if you would join us. MASH 4077 Podcast is a Geeky Fanboy production and has a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, works 3.0 United States license. All rights reserved. Directed by George Tyne. That's like a question mark. George Tyne? Tyne, you turned Australian. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we also have a new fun fact. CBS didn't want the unpatriotic... Thank you.